From the Heritage Foundation, I'm Tim Desher, and this is Heritage Explains. Have you heard of what's happening to Uyghur Muslims in China? We've talked about it on this podcast before, but never like this. Xinjiang is the region where the U.S. says China has put up to 2 million people, nearly all Muslims, in detention camps over the last few years. Activists say Beijing has done that to try to eliminate Islam within its borders. China says these camps aren't prisons, but voluntary vocational training centers that are being used to not eliminate Islam generally, only Islamic extremism. Cameras watch their every move, in some places positioned every 50 meters. While Han Chinese regularly breeze through the myriad police roadblocks, anyone we saw who appeared to be a minority got stopped. Racial profiling appears rampant. For Uyghur Muslims living in the Xinjiang province in western China, fear is an understatement. And that clip from CNN is one of many news documentaries that exist covering the issue. But still, this story is largely unknown here in America. Uyghur traditions are long-standing and proud. For centuries, they've lived a mostly peaceful existence in China, practicing their Muslim faith, engaging in commerce, and raising their families. But in 2017, as Uyghurs began to disappear from their homes, being arrested in the middle of the night and placed in concentration camps, families were kept in the dark as to what was happening and the children left behind after their parents disappeared were called orphans by the Chinese government, and they too placed in a kid's version of a concentration camp. All of this with one goal, destroy any identity, faith, family, tradition, that doesn't fall in line with what the Chinese government dictates and raise up a generation of Uyghurs who replace their faith in God with faith in the Chinese Communist Party. Here's a portion of a France 24 documentary interviewing a former teacher in a concentration camp. Every day I had to make the prisoners work. I needed to make them say hundreds of times, thousands of times, I am Chinese, I am proud of China. They had to say these sentences standing up, saying them loudly, and I had to guide them thousands of times. They had to pronounce their love for Xi Jinping and for the Communist Party. When I went to the class, there were two armed policemen following behind me. When I gave the lessons, they stayed behind me. Everything I taught was recorded, and the policemen stayed at the door. Now, China says nothing bad is happening in these camps. They're simply re-educating to teach against extremism and terrorism. But the problem is, Uyghurs, for the most part, are not extremists or terrorists. And further, many reports have surfaced that in addition to brainwashing, Uyghur women are subjected to forced pregnancy checks, medication that stops menstruation, forced abortions, 
and surgical sterilizations. Now that seems like a bit more than re-education. It's time to take the next step. Um, I think given the evidence, it looks like, and this is just open source evidence, it looks like both genocide and crimes against humanity are taking place in Xinjiang today. Mm. And it's time for the U.S. government to say so. That's Olivia Enos. She's a senior policy analyst here at the Heritage Foundation, focusing on human rights. In part one of this two-part series, she'll talk about her compelling new report and open our eyes to the devastating abuse the Chinese Communist Party is waging against the Uyghurs and what the U.S. can and should do to push back. In part two, Olivia and I will sit down with a brave Uyghur woman who has experienced firsthand the fear and the devastation caused by the Chinese Communist Party. Part one begins right after this short break. It's easy to get overwhelmed by the 24-7 news cycle. If you're looking for a way to keep up with the news that matters, the Daily Signal podcast brings you the top news of the day. Hosts Rachel Del Judas, Kate Trinko, Rob Louie, and myself, Virginia Allen, bring you headlines and interviews with lawmakers, authors, and conservative activists. If you're a conservative who wants to be on top of the news, check out the Daily Signal podcast, available every weekday morning. Olivia, there's a lot of information and resources that exist already on the Uyghurs in in China and, and China's oppression of them. But it really is still flying below the radar. Yeah, I think it's alarming that what we would consider to probably be some of the worst human rights violations in the 21st century are happening right before our eyes. And it's just not receiving the attention that it deserves. Right now, there are between 1.8 and 3 million Uyghur Muslims held in political re-education facilities, predominantly in Xinjiang, China. And when they go to these facilities, they're subject to indoctrination, self-criticism, required Mandarin lessons. Some are allegedly subject to torture. Some have even died while being held in detention. And we're now starting to see unbelievable evidence of the Chinese Communist Party's intent to destroy in whole or in part the Uyghurs, predominantly through really draconian birth control and family planning now, measures. Before we before we get into that, that's this is something that I've I've noticed as I've prepared for this. You know, China, I think they denied these so-called camps even existed, but now they've said, okay, they exist, but they're tech schools, they're training schools. So we talk about the evidence. So talk a little bit more about sort of the overwhelming evidence that exists from this heinous treatment. Yeah. I mean, I think the evidence is overwhelming, as you mentioned. Um, We have satellite imagery that attests to the fact that these uh, facilities are massive in scale. Mm. And that surveillance footage, as well as firsthand testimony, is able to confirm that this is not a schooling system. Um, When you have barbed wire, when you have huge walls that are keeping people penned in, when people can't go home, 
that's not what you think of when you think of school. And the guard towers. The guard towers. <laughs> yes, there are guard towers. And the thing that's even scarier, and I think it receives less frequent treatment, is the fact that when Uyghur parents are being detained, children are left behind. And the Chinese Communist Party is taking it upon them mm. to educate their children. And they're putting them in so-called kindergartens or preschools that have live-in conditions. Um, so it's almost like a boarding school. Mm. And, um, you know, I think, Tim, you and I were talking earlier about a Vice documentary that um, Vice was able to get footage inside of these camps. And um, the children are forced to say, we love the Chinese Communist Party. We love China. We are Chinese and essentially forsake their Uyghur identity, their Uyghur religion, and family traditions. And they and they said, they made mention of in, in the documentary, and, I, and I'll link to that, folks, in the show notes if you, if you want to watch it. It's, it's worth the watch. They say that the goal is to completely erase an identity for the next generation of Uyghurs. Yeah. To and completely erase the fact that they have this beautiful, longstanding tradition, beautiful religious beliefs, and completely erase that. That is completely true. Mm. They are trying to erase that and not only to erase the practices of the current generation, but to erase and eradicate and at least significantly limit the next generation of Uyghurs. Mm. Um, and they're doing so through just absolutely shocking. I mean, the Chinese Communist Party is known for draconian family planning. Everybody is familiar with the longstanding one-child policy that then became the two-child policy. But now we're not seeing birth and family planning policies applied broadly. We're seeing them uniquely applied to the Uyghurs. Hmm. And, um, you know, something that I, I want to underscore here is when they're engaging in this birth control, when they're engaging in family planning, they're requiring that each individual space their births by three to four years. If a Uyghur woman becomes pregnant in the intermediate time period, the hospitals are required to abort that baby. And if the baby is born, the Radio Free Asia has actually talked to hospital officials who say that the babies, these are born babies, are being subject to infanticide and killed oh before God. their parents can even meet them. Mm. I, I can't even imagine that. I'm not a mother myself, but I, I feel like I could completely relate to that and could not imagine not only having my preborn child forcibly aborted, but then having a born child killed all because of the Chinese Communist Party's arbitrary birth planning requirements. Yeah. yeah. So tell me, tell me this. What will get you, because because there's, you know, I, I think I read a stat, you know, 12 million Uyghurs living in, in, um, in China right now. Um, what will get, you know, and I think you said from anywhere from 1.8 to 3 million are in these camps. What gets you put in one of these camps? It can be so arbitrary. I mean, it's remarkable. Uh, Human Rights Watch did a study a couple of years back where they reverse engineered the um, surveillance application that the Chinese security forces are using in order to surveil Uyghurs, but also average Chinese citizens as well. And something as simple as exiting out your back door instead of your front can literally get you called in for questioning and or sent to a camp. Um, 
since Uyghurs are predominantly Muslim, um, attending mosques, studying the Quran, um, that can get you sent to, uh, to these camps. But actually, as I mentioned before, um, Adrian Zenz, but also the Kara Cox list that was uncovered by several journalists, um, found that the number one reason for Uyghurs being sent to political re-education facilities was violation of these birth planning policies. Wow. Yeah. And uh, go into a little bit of so we, the Uyghurs have been in China for a very, very, very long time, but we haven't seen these camps go up up until 2017 is when these we call them concentration camps. They call them re-education schools, but but we'll call them we'll call them camps. Um, they went up in 2017. So what was the shift? Why all of a sudden are you building? I think there's you know over 180 of these camps now all throughout western china shenjing so what what changed in 2017 yeah and um actually there's more than 260 camps according wow. to a new buzzfeed report so that i came was outdated out. yeah. yeah just in like the yeah. last couple of weeks but um i think you're seeing such a significant change and it's such a good question to ask tim um because xi jinping is wanting to oversee an entire social restructuring of Chinese society. And I think he's doing this in large part by putting in place restrictions that are reminiscent of the Cultural Revolution. And those restrictions are especially targeted against persons of faith, whether they are Christian, um, whether you're Tibetan Buddhist, whether you're Uyghur Muslim or Hui Muslim or Falun Gong. Um, it doesn't matter what religion you practice, but the Chinese Communist Party has engaged in a policy that they call sinicization, which is the attempt to make all religious practice conform with the Chinese Communist Party's ends and goals. And, you know, beyond this, accompanying the sinicization and the secularization of faith is this goal to, I mean, essentially make it so that um, all religion is seen as extremism, mm. it, and it does not matter what faith or faith tradition it's coming from, it should be seen as extremist. And that type of marginalization of persons, mm. um, regardless of what faith they practice, is is fairly uniform, although I would say very perniciously carried out in the case of Uyghurs. And I would say Uyghurs, a lot of what's happening to Uyghurs uh, took place in Tibet on a smaller scale. They didn't have the camps, but they had that same type of surveillance model. Hmm. And I would not be surprised if this started happening to Chinese um, Christians or Catholics or Buddhists or, or anyone of any faith. So I think it's an early warning sign for all persons of faith and frankly to any Chinese uh, person that the Chinese Communist Party does not have respect for their fundamental rights or their interests at heart. Yeah, I, I in 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 preparing for this, I noticed the one common theme in in the area in which the, the Uyghurs live in, in in the western portion of China. And you go on a map and look at it; um, it's really really far away from everything else. I mean, there's a lot of distance between um, you know Beijing, um, Shanghai, um, and, and where and where the Uyghurs live. And the one thing that's really amazing is, is I, I think since 2017 they've they've hired 200,000 new police officers. They've established checkpoints to where people are turning their phones in so they can download the information, see what's happening. I mean, Olivia, this to me is is so 
it's it's almost like a script coming out of Hollywood, except Hollywood probably wouldn't produce it because China has such an influence <laughs> on Hollywood. I mean, you 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 think about it, yeah. and it is so. I can't even comprehend it, Olivia. Yeah, and I mean, I think, you know, Adrian Zenz has done some fantastic reports at the Jamestown Foundation. One of them looked at this really, I mean, it is just every down to the minute detail of surveillance apparatus that has been set up and they call them like convenience police stations or convenience security points. Almost to conjure the idea of like, oh, it's as common as a Walgreens or a CVS or, you know, like your convenience corner store, (laughs) Um, you know. And so it's it's really meant to invade every corner of the Chinese person's lives. And part of this is a part of the social credit system that applies um, fairly uniformly to anyone in China to see, you know, are you a quote unquote good and upstanding citizen as the Chinese Communist Party would define it. Um, But of course, it's especially heightened in the Xinjiang region and to horrific effect. Yeah. So in your piece in National Review, and I'm going to link to it, folks, along with the uh, documentary and a bunch of other resources that you can uh, bring yourself up to speed here, folks, um, you say, quote, any holistic strategy to meet the challenges the Chinese Communist Party's actions increasingly pose to the world has to be built on a strong moral foundation. And speaking up strongly and clearly for the Uyghurs is the right place to start. You know, action is important. So let's let's start with the U.S. We we say we're leaders. How do we lead in this situation? Yeah, you know, the U.S. government, I think, was a little bit slow to respond initially, but finally, we've started to see some really great increases in attention to the Xinjiang situation. One was the targeting of Chen Guangguo, who is the Xinjiang Party secretary. He's the one who oversaw um, the really horrific targeting in Tibet, and then subsequently the whole system that we see set up in Xinjiang. So the Chinese Communist Party put this guy in charge of the region? Yes. So Xi Jinping said, hey, I want you to go do this. Okay, okay. Yeah, he he oversees um, what takes place in Xinjiang, both the creation of the camps as well as this, you know, system of surveillance and and the way that the police engage. Um, And he he did it in Tibet, he's doing it again in Xinjiang. And that was really great that we targeted them, uh, targeted Chen as well as other uh, Chinese Communist Party officials. But it's time to take the next step. Um, I think given the evidence, it looks like, and this is just open source evidence, It looks like both genocide and crimes against humanity are taking place in Xinjiang today. Mm. And it's time for the U.S. government to say so. And Secretary Pompeo, he has the authority um, literally at any moment in time to call a spade a spade and say this is genocide, this is crimes against humanity. So that would be number one on my list. Number two would be to extend priority refugee status um, or P2 refugee status to Uyghurs so that they can be resettled here Hmm. um, and hopefully encourage other countries as well to resettle them. Um, And then I think we need to look at different ways for holding the Chinese Communist Party accountable. I think, unfortunately, the International Criminal Court and others is, is not the right avenue Um, to pursue justice for the Uyghurs. Mm. But we should definitely be examining different ways to hold Chinese Communist Party officials like Chen Guangguo, but also others directly responsible for the severe human rights violations taking place there. Yeah. And I think when you say we need to relocate, refugee status, relocate people here to the U.S., you know, next week we're going to put a face 
to to this whole situation. We're going to talk with somebody who's been relocated here in the D.C. area and who's been speaking out against what's happening here. And thanks to you, Olivia, we're going to be able to talk to her. So so anyway, yeah, I, I really appreciate you coming in. Uh, really appreciate your insight and uh, look forward to talking with you next week. Well, thank you so much for having me on, Tim. And that's it for part one of our series. Please join us next week for part two when we sit down for an emotional interview with our friend who has experienced the devastation of how China is treating the Uyghur people. You won't want to miss it. And let us know what you thought of part one. Leave us a comment wherever you listen or go ahead and send us an email at managingeditor at heritage.org. We'll see you next week for part two. Heritage Explains is brought to you by more than half a million members of the Heritage Foundation. It is produced by Michelle Cordero and Tim Desher, with editing by John Pop.